And Adrian Collins, welcome to the show, sir. Yeah, thanks very much, Rob. Very cool of you to hang out. It is uh, 1 a.m. in the morning, Australia time, so you've uh, uh, made the time from your busyness at the perch of Grimdark Magazine to grace us with your time, and we are thankful and grateful for you to hang out with us tonight. So much appreciated. We're definitely going to talk about Grimdark Magazine. Um, You've got four issues out. Issue five is forthcoming. For folks who aren't hip to Grimdark Magazine, tell us how this publication came to fruition for you. It actually came to fruition over a six-pack of beer and a chat with a mate one night. So um, we were sitting down, and a friend of mine was kicking off a few like uh, little cafes at the time, and he was getting really into his um, his small startup culture. And um, we were sitting down, having a few beers, and he basically just said, "Look, um, you know, what are you into? What are you what are you looking at uh, at doing?" And I just said, "Well, I've always wanted to kick off a, a literary magazine, and the stuff I'm reading at the moment, um, it doesn't really seem like there's a there's a literary magazine out there that's paying people pro rates and that's um, you know really getting into the culture of, of grimdark." And and basically, we just sat down with a whiteboard, a pen, and uh, or an, and a marker, and just just went for it. And that's where Grimdark Magazine was born. So you were obviously a fan, a big fan of Grimdark to want to start your very own publication. So that's quite a dedication. Where does your passion for Grimdark come from, Adrian? Uh, well, look, it, it started out back when I was young. I was always into fantasy. You know, my old man um, had a, a few few fantasy books, mostly The Hobbit, uh, Lord of the Rings, that sort of stuff he had stashed away from, from when he was a kid. And um, I basically, you know, ripped through that pretty pretty quickly as a young bloke. And then a mate of mine flew over when he was um, when he was at university. He was a US bloke, and he flew over and he left a few things with me because he was his bag was overweight. And in that bag was uh, a bunch of David Gemmell books. And David Gemmell books was probably uh, my first introduction to the world of uh, morally grey characters. Uh, the first one being Conover out of the Regante series. And one of the big things that, that he does is that you need to, as a reader, um, accept that when his missus gets killed, he goes and he, he murders a whole village, you know, women, children, everything. And you have to accept that he's, as a character, he is redeemable as a human being. And that's what he sets the rest of his life to do. So there's your, my introduction to grey characters. And then as I was walking through a, um, an airport one day, I saw this really awesome cover. And I just went, oh, shit, that's really cool. Picked it up on a whim. And that happened to be Joe Abercrombie's The Heroes. And Joe Abercrombie is obviously one of the kings of gray, morally gray characters. And so from there, I think I got about, geez, maybe 50 pages in, jumped on Amazon and bought literally anything I could find with his name on it. And that's kind of just kind of grew from there. What do you think uh, are some big names from Grimdark that you'd like to see be in the magazine? You've already had are Scott Baker and Mark Lawrence. Who are some others on your wish list to grace the pages of Grimdark Magazine? Oh, geez, if I could nab a Joe Crombie short, that would be stupendous. Obviously, he's a, he's a massive hero of mine. And to put that beside getting, um, when, when we landed also uh, Mark Lawrence, that was, that was something that was so far beyond what I thought we would ever manage to do. And, and he was cool to jump on for the first issue. So um, those two would be great. Um, if we could also grab something from Anthony Ryan, that would be sensational. Also, one of the authors that I was actually really stoked to get, which is going to be in issue five, was um, Elliot de Bodart. Um, that's been the you know the culmination of a fair few months worth of communication and work, and she's got a sensational piece that's based in her um, her current world of um, the the House of Shattered Wings. So I'm really looking forward to putting that out there. Yeah, there's oh man, and probably Brian McClellan as well would be brilliant to get if we could um, if we could publish a piece from him as well. But um, 
you know, it's you know, as it is with the magazine industry, we put out a whole lot of feelers, and, and hopefully, we'll um, we'll manage to to you know publish a few of those authors. I think it's cool how you guys have more established authors mixed in with some newer newer faces. Which authors who are newer to the scene do you see fucking up things down the road? Fucking up things down the road. <laughs> um, well, if, making waves. I was going to say, if we're talking positively. Um, yeah, positively. I'm going to say there's um there's a few authors that we've put out there, and two of them are actually um, authors who work for the Black Library, which is um, the Warhammer Forty Thousand publishing house. Those guys are Matt Ward, who had a story in issue four, and then we've got an, a story from David Annandale in issue five. And I get the feeling these these guys are usually pigeonholed as just standard Warhammer Forty Thousand authors. And you know, recently when I've got into what they're doing outside of those realms, they're actually doing some solid work. Like um, Matt Ward's story in our last issue was sensational. David Annandale's story in uh, issue five. They've got all these things that, that I'm always after, which is your dark worlds, your gritty stories, and your morally ambiguous characters. And, and I think they're going to do very well. On top of that, Kelly Sandoval from last issue who um, wrote All the Lovely Brides, uh, that received a fair bit of positive feedback through our social media and whatnot. And I, I think she's done really well. And I think she's definitely an author to keep your eye out for. And then finally, the other one who received a fair bit of positive feedback for The King Beneath the Waves was uh, Peter Fugazzato. And I, th- I think that was one of the, hands down, one of the best stories we've actually published from either a, a big name author or a, um, or a lesser known author. And I, I think he's going to do well as well. Yeah, we actually had Peter Fugazzato on the show before uh, we uh, talked about his book, The Witch of the Sands. Um, he's got the sequel and he's working on the third short in that trilogy uh, right now. So he, he does some stellar work and he was just a fantastic guest to have on the show. So it's, I'm glad to hear he's been doing so well. And now in regards to Grimdark Magazine, how is the, how's it been going? I mean, you've been doing it for a year now, working on issue five. So you've, you've had uh, some time to kind of test the waters to see how the magazine will be received. In your opinion, how has the magazine been received and has there been any like surprises for you along your journey so far? Yeah, the magazine's been received really well. The thing that surprised me the most um, was the positive, sort of, well, the the want to get involved by some of the the authors that I consider my um, my literary heroes. So again, like your Joe Abercrombie's who gave us an interview for the first issue, Mark Lawrence who gave us one of his brother tales for the first issue as well. You know, you've got guys like R. Scott Backer um, giving us this this huge. 11,000 word story that we managed to split over issues two and three. The biggest thing is that the reaction from those authors has just been, I, I generally, when I emailed all of them trying to see who would be interested, I expected to hear back from one, two at best. And quite literally, every single author that I've hit up, including George R. Martin, have all come back to me and said, you know, I can do this, I can't do that. Um, I'm interested in doing these sorts of items. So basically, that that was the mo- the, the largest surprise. You know, we've had um we've had some some great sort of glorious victories. For example, at the issues two and three with R. Scott Backer sold incredibly well because we had um, Andy from uh, Backer fans on board and he was making sure that anyone who was an R. Scott Backer fan on the face of planet Earth knew about our issue. It was really making sure that we got to, um, you know, we got to all of those those readers. We've also had some tragic failures, like the time that I accidentally left our um, Google advertising on for about three weeks longer than it was supposed to and ended up having to shell out about 600 bucks to pay for the bill. Um, for really no no uh, appreciable benefit. So yeah, there's been there's been some awesome stuff, some not so awesome stuff happen, and it's all just been one huge learning curve that I'm I'm so happy that I actually managed to do before anything in my life got serious, like buying a house or anything. So it's been fantastic. 
Now, one thing I've really loved about the magazine that I find really interesting is you do all these competitions. And that that's one thing uh, I always like to see is, you know, newer talents or, or people who aren't as well known getting a chance to kind of shine. And uh, currently you're doing the Grimdark Magazine Battle Off competition. Yep. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, definitely. So basically, um, I, I myself being a, a self-published author, and just a quick caveat, don't ever go buy my books. They're bloody terrible. I can appreciate how much work goes into um, self-publishing some work and you know how much awesome stuff that small publishers such as Ragnarok Publications, Cohesion Press, I think another one's Evil Girlfriend Media as well, like all these all these small publishers and all these people who are self-publishing are doing some excellent, excellent work that um, you know, it, it expands our genre and it gives fans a, an opportunity just to see what people are capable of and especially people who by choice choose not to go through um, one of the larger publishers. Yeah, I just think the Grimdark Magazine Badloff was a thought that, you know, I just want to, I want to help people appreciate that. So um, we've basically just, uh, we've opened the doors to people putting in 1000 word excerpts of their currently published novels or short stories. And uh, we're putting them out there. We're putting them to the vote. You know, at the end of, the, of all the voting, the top seven ranked people are going to go have their stories put before Anthony Ryan, Richard Ford, Tim Marquitz, Gray McNeil, and R. Scott Backer. And those guys will basically rank the stories, you know, favorite to least favorite. And then the top three winners are going to get some pretty ridiculous prizes that we've managed to scrounge up. And those include a signed, unnumbered, unfettered from Grim Oak Press a signed first edition of Joe Abercrombie's Half a War from Quill and Claw signed first editions. Realm Walker Publishing Group have dropped in a Kindle Fire with all of their titles put onto it. We'll have Black Guards from Ragnarok, Fubar from Cohesion Press. And then also um, our one of our editors, uh, Mike Myers, has actually offered up a few thousand words worth of our free editing. And so I think that, you know, there's, there's also some cover art services. So uh, the guy who's done... Uh, Jason Deem, who's done um, issue four and issue five's covers, is also offering up some uh, illustrations for um, for the self-published authors. So I think there's a uh, there's a there's a lot of um, opportunity for people to really win some pretty cool prizes and and to get their work in front of um, a whole bunch of, of new eyes. I mean, we've had about three or four hundred voters so far on the site. So um, there's yeah, there's plenty of opportunity out there for everyone. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a pretty big event that you have going on there. So a lot of a lot of things to pull together, so I'm glad to hear it's going well for you. Uh, when are the entries due for uh, authors to submit their 1,000-word uh, excerpts? Yep, so they can submit all the way up to the 15th of next month, and then voters can keep voting till the um, 15th of October. And then after that, we'll have the panel judges. Uh, we'll have the stories for about two weeks, and then hopefully by November 1, we'll have some, um, some results, and we'll, we'll get to uh, share our people in prizes. Fantastic. So author entries are due by September 15th, and then the votes will be done by October 15th. And then after that point, the judges will pick their favorites. Spot on, mate. Yep. As far as the magazine, you've got issue five now. What are your hopes for the future as far as the magazine publication goes? As far as the, the magazine's mission, we we want to be a part of the, um, you know, one of one of the forerunners for the, the grimdark genre. We want to be a, a place where um, authors feel like they can trust us to publish their work and, and get as much, you know, as many eyes on their work as possible. And we just want to be trusted by the readers to provide the best in grimdark fiction. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward mission statement and I'm hoping that we can, we can actually achieve that. Um, 
uh, obviously every magazine that works on a on a basis of of paying people is going to um, you know is obviously going to want to be uh, financially sustainable. So we're we're fairly close to to being able to do that. Um, and so hopefully, if we can become financially sustainable, then we can start increasing the amount of uh, budget we have per issue, which would be um, fantastic if we could get a few more stories in and, and get past our. I mean, we usually try to put out about twelve twelve thousand uh, paid words an issue. So if we can get past that, that'd be that'd be really good. And I've had it. So go ahead, Philip. Go ahead. Go ahead, Rob. Okay. Sorry. <clears throat> Uh, I have had the chance to interact with uh, some of your staff that you have on there. Now, I know you do have a, a volunteer staff of some really great people who just love the genre, so that's awesome to have uh, a gang of uh, dedicated individuals to uh, support the magazine. is is very cool. Um, yep. do you have any, are you looking to get anybody else on board as far as the volunteer spots right now, or are you all staffed up? Um, we're always open to article writers, so um, we're always open to people who are wanting to get their, their opinion pieces out there. Um, one of the things that, uh, you know, probably the, big, the biggest change that's coming up the next couple of weeks is our second reader, Layla Cummins, has, uh, has had to move on. So she'll be, you know, there'll be plenty of people that have dealt with Layla uh, through the submissions inbox or, or through Grimdark Fiction readers and writers um, on Facebook. She's, you know, dead set soul of the, soul of the earth and um, she's unfortunately heading off. So we'll be moving Charesse into second reads and we'll be looking for another first reader. Uh, within the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, we, we do have a, a spot or two open at the moment for anyone looking to get involved. All right, so they can head over to Grimdark Magazine and then they can get in contact with you if they want to get involved with the process. Yeah, spot on, mate. Excellent. Philip? So, Grimdark as a genre is is still relatively new term. Um, it's not... It's one of those things that people seem to either love or hate. There's no really middle ground on the when the when the term comes up um i know i know one thing uh people have said is grimdark is kind of a warning sign for them like if they see something labeled as grimdark then they're like and eh, that's that's not for me or uh that's the genre with all the blood and guts and people getting murdered and all that kind of stuff yeah um but we we as fans of the genre the the genre would say uh, that's not what it's all about. Uh, and there's more to it than just blood and guts and murder. Yeah. So, um, however, I think personally, one of the things that I see as a big element of Grimdark seems to be graphic violence. Uh, often some of the bigger names in Grimdark uh, are known for uh, torturing characters or or uh, lots of characters dying in a battle, or um, characters being burned alive, and these these kind of pretty graphic depictions of violence. Yeah. Um, but from your standpoint, uh, do you think violence is a necessary element of grimdark, or uh, can you have a grimdark story without uh, a significant amount of violence? Yeah, I certainly believe you can. Um, I'm not going to say that I've actually seen one because off the top of my head I, I can't actually think of one though I'm sure they're out there but I mean from from our, uh, from Grimdark Magazine's perspective um, the, the moral ambiguity is of your protagonist or your antagonist is one of the major points that makes up a Grimdark story um, so I think that 
you can have that without violence. And and in fact, now think about it, we've just bought a, a story for issue number five where there is one small piece of graphic violence, but the story could theoretically be published without that small piece and you would have a violence-free um, short story of about, I think there's about one and a half thousand words. So, um, yeah, I actually don't think it's needed. Um, and something that uh, you touched on earlier around um, – that, that if I can just quickly segue around um, people deciding whether they, you know, seeing the word grimdark and deciding to, to bail out of, of a purchase or, or bail away from a certain set of authors, um, that, that's actually one of the defining reasons why I call the magazine Grimdark Magazine. I wanted to focus on the, the fans of the genre that, that I love. And by calling the magazine that straight up, it says, right, if you're in this, you know, if you're in this crowd and you love this sort of, sort of story, bias if you aren't into this sort of story and this is not your your scene walk away yeah that makes sense because yeah you, you don't necessarily want people who are not interested in it to to come come to the magazine with different expectations if 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 they know okay i know what grimdark is um and i'm a fan of it then that's going to encourage people to come look at it more. Uh, I mean, that's something I've done with my own work. Uh, you know, my world's called splatter elf. Yeah. So I think that that kind of stands out like, okay, you get the idea that it's probably not that serious and it's probably going to be bloody. Yeah. So there's a good, there's a good thing about labeling something very directly. Um, but the, the violence issue is something, um, Every every key grimdark author has had some kind of big violent scene in it. Yeah, without question. Uh, um, but I don't I don't know how you have a dark world and gritty like a gritty world without violence because violence is a part of you know any realistic setting. I think. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it kind of depends on um, like, are you talking about the depiction of violence or the assumption that violence exists in a world? Um, well, I've noticed the depiction of violence is pretty is pretty graphic in, in most circumstances. Um, uh, th- there's there's also the assumption of, of violence being that the the, the world the setting is painted in a certain way. Yeah, you kind of get the idea it's the aftermath of uh, some some horrible incident or. Um, uh, for example, the heroes is is one big battle. That's all the book is is, yeah. is one big battle. Um, so it seems to hinge a lot on, on violence, even if that's not a key feature. I think that's the same thing with horror as a genre. Uh, horror doesn't necessarily have to have violence in it, but it has that reputation as the violent genre. Yeah. Um, so grimdark in a way I feel is, is painted that way through the authors that write it. Um, because I haven't seen any violent, less i don't know if that's a word violent less <laughs> violent less uh, grimdark fiction so i think that's why some people uh see the term in a negative way still because they may be squeamish about violence or or uh not be into the the realistic depiction of it yeah no fair enough um 
I don't know. Look, when I when I think about it, um, and I know the author of the Gentleman Bastard series, um, Scott Lynch himself comes out and he uh, he refuses to be called uh, grimdark and whatnot. But to me, it, you know, he's a, he's at, at least a, a fringe, you know, a fringe author of the grimdark um, genre. Um, to me, a lot of like, I don't think there is a huge amount of violence in um, in his books. There, there is a you know there is a fair bit of um, like Lockie Lamora getting the snot beaten out of him and and whatnot and um, but I think that a lot of like his is mostly around you know in, intelligent criminals um, working out ways to to cheat rich people out of their money and working out ways to get themselves out of you know a, a few pretty decent pickles. Um, Violence is a part of that, you know, in in small amounts. But I think that in in general, he he could probably get away with you know with non bloody uh, books just because you know his his writing is so clever. And I would say too on on my end uh, that the violence does definitely appeal to me. Um, I was I was raised <laughs> in a pretty <laughs> I, I had access to a lot of media at a young age. I mean, we had HBO when I was like eight years old. So um, I kind of grew up watching the Saturday morning cartoons and um, and I was really kind of brought up in in, in this type of storytelling. Um, so that's I think I think that's why Grimdark naturally appeals to me. Um, so I think, in my opinion, Grimdark should have an element of violence um, I think you're right, Philip, that it can be either directly um, illustrated, it can be directly written about, or it can be hinted to. It's either there's a lot of violence taking place in the story, or the story's amongst a lot of violence taking place in the peripheral. Um, so I think that element, at least for me, is appealing to the genre, and one thing that I expect when I read it, I'd be more than happy to read a story that's, grim, that's coined as grimdark that doesn't have violence to see how it's pulled off. But I'm thinking it probably wouldn't appeal to me in the same way. Um, so that's kind of my setting on that's that's kind of my standing on on violence in Grimdark. Yeah, I mean that that's fair enough. Like, um, you know, Grimdark to me is one of the things that appeals about it most. Is it, it's quite a you know it's quite a good depiction of of our world. You know, we we live in a world where we love to think that, especially in the West, that you know things are all peachy and rosy and violence doesn't really exist that much. You know, outside inside our borders. But, you know, realistically, we are a part of, you know, humanity and we are a violent species. And, you know, whether we're, you know, fighting, you know, fighting each other in Syria or whether we're, um, you know, just arcing up against someone in a pub and then, you know, throwing a bit of fisticuffs like that, that's just our nature. And I think that gets reflected pretty well in Grimdark that, you know, it is a violent world and, you know, that, that gets reflected in our fiction pretty well. So, so do you think, do you think Grimdark will evolve beyond its its definition now? Uh, as many people see it, it's it's morally gray characters and uh, kind of a bleak setting, and ten, tends to have violence or the hint of violence in in the story. Do you see it evolving beyond that, or do you see it kind of staying? Uh, static in 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 that regard um i actually reckon it'll evolve so you know it it kicked off as part of you know you know taking the piss out of um you know warhammer 40k um and then you know that was kind of like one of those situations where you look at it and you go well 
the characters in 40k now from you know from our point of view they're, they're not really that uh, morally gray anymore they're kind of you know your, your space marines and stuff that you get in like gray McNeil's, McNeil's ultramarines or in the Horus heresy they're they're either kind of pretty much like absolutely heroic or, or absolutely um, evil for the ones that you know go over to, to chaos um, and I'm just I, I kind of get the, the feeling that you know now that we look at that and go well that you know yes that's where the term started but it's not you know, really by our current definition of grimdark, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really hit the mark there anymore. So I wonder if somebody that, you know, 10 or, you know, 10 or 15 years down the, the track, are people going to look back at, for example, Grimdark magazine and just go, yeah, you know, Grimdark's come a long way. Those blokes are so archaic. They barely even fit into the genre anymore. With all, yeah, their, with all their violence. Exactly. <laughs> 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 something, something Scott Lynch actually had said in kind of a joking way, I'm assuming is he thought the evolution or the next step would be a genre called, uh, shit topian fuck spludge. Yeah. <laughs> that was his term. And I, I don't, I, th- I think that is sort of, uh, sort of looking at the, the, the general idea that grimdark is this, uh, genre that wallows in misery and there's no, there's no hope and that, and that everything is bleak and everyone's dying and, uh, squirrels are screaming and there's blood pouring out of everyone's face. And that's how they, that's how they, uh, characterize it. So do you, do you think Grimdark gets kind of characterized as, is almost cartoonish in any way or, or, or do you feel uh, do you feel it works the way it is now? Um, personally, I think it works the way it is now. I think that um, I, I often wonder the people that look at um, the people that look at Grimdark and sort of go, "Look, it's just it's just basically you know all about killing and betrayal and, and stuff like that." I, I often wonder how many of those people have actually had a really good dig at reading guys like. Mark Lawrence, Joe Cromie, uh, Cameron Hurley, um, yeah. Courtney Schaefer, guys like that. I, I wonder how often the people that make these criticisms have actually put the hours in to discover what the people writing these books are actually writing about. Or if, like so many keyboard warriors across the face of the planet, if they just go, right, I've captured onto this one person's opinion and irrespective of whether I have anything to back it up or not, I'm just going to blow up about it. Yeah, I, I, t- I, t- I tend to see people that don't know much about Grimdark or haven't read that many authors. They they tend to they tend to to show it in this kind of uh, negative light of where it's the wallow in misery genre. Whereas if you actually read a lot of these writers, um, I mean, Joe Abercrombie stuff has a lot of hope in it, I think. And uh, even George Martin, who's considered the the master of misery in many people's regards. And a lot of people, you know, quit want to quit watching game of Thrones. Cause there's just too much to take. Um, I mean, I respect, I respect that opinion, but it's, it's kind of like, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. 
<laughs> you see, this is where we say edit, edit. That's where I fuck up. <laughs> uh, that's that's not a problem. I'm actually hoping that my rants have answered some questions along the way instead of sounding like an absolute goose. Oh man, you're you're doing perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're nailing it. What was I saying, Rob? I don't know. I wasn't listening. Fuck you. <laughs> You're gonna leave all this shit in, aren't you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> he always he always leaves like me just fucking up stuff in. He's like, "Ha, oh, that was funny and fucked up." Mate, you should have taken on the editing role. Then he's uh, he's got yeah. the power. I've got all the power. But let me get back on track, yeah. and then you can edit it somewhere. somewhere. I don't know where. Yeah. But yeah, the, just the, this idea that uh, grimdark isn't 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 a genre that's going to survive long because because many people depict it as an outsider in the fantasy realm. Anyway, I th- I think I think many people think it's a fad and it's going to go away. Yeah. But there's many of us that champion it and say, no, it's not going to go away. It may it may change, but there's a lot of people that really love this kind of fiction and, and yeah, and we, we know it's going to stay, but a lot of people I think see, uh, I mean, there's so many posts about is grimdark dead yet? Is it gone? Is it finished? You know, you, you see all these posts about that all the time. Yeah. So I kind of clickbaity those posts. (laughs) Yeah. I think I know it's a hot topic and they go, right. How am I going to pull people into my website so that I can, you know, sell my Google marketing for for a higher click per do- uh, dollar per click, and they just go right. This is a catchphrase, and we know it's going to create controversy if we say Grimdark is dead. Yeah, I mean, re- realistically, for for all you and I know, um, it might die in a year. It might. There's there's not much, you know. There's there's a lot of stuff we can push and we can pull and we can try to make it work and in in all realistic like to be realistic for all we know you know joe and mark and um you know cameron and all those guys might not be able to pick up a publisher in a year's time or you know they might all land movie deals who knows that's you know that's life sometimes shit works out and sometimes it doesn't but um i personally think that it'll it'll continue it'll keep growing I think that from from what we can see of the the popularity of um, Game of Thrones being televised, um, I think that audiences are starting to appreciate that more cynical point of view. Um, I, like I, I don't really know about about politics over where you blokes live, but in Australia, that they're almost laughable most of the time. And you know, the amount of times that you know when when you vote for someone, you're generally voting for someone who you know are you going to vote for the guy who breaks only 70% of their promises or the guy that breaks 80% of their promises. So, you know, this cynical worldview, I think, is perpetuating in fiction and the genre with quite often the most cynical worldviews is is grimdark and I think that's starting to appeal to people and as long as that appeals to people, I think that our, our genre will keep growing. I'm thinking that maybe at some point people might hit a burnout of, okay, we've had enough death and darkness and depression and gritty realism i need something that's a little a little lighter and a little fluffier so maybe someday the pendulum might swing the other way then we can start uh, the the grim light podcast and uh, and 
uh, it'll grow from there. No, no, Rob. (laughs) Down, Rob. Uh, but uh, I, what I like about Grimdark um, that that appeals to me um, is the gritty violence, the realism. Um, Grimdark has actually kind of tainted me towards reading other lighter fantasy. I've tried to read the other stuff, and it just doesn't really do anything for me uh, the way that it used to. It's kind of spoiled me. I'm like, nobody cusses or has any bodily functions or anything like that. <laughs> they just walk around and talk high fantasy and and do noble deeds. So um, yeah. Grimdark has, has really spoiled me towards reading in any other types of fantasy that this t- doesn't bring the realism. So it may happen that that may be it's, it's Bane in the future. Maybe some, some someday a different genre comes out that uh, does things for me that Grimdark no longer does. So we shall see, but we are hoping that the genre continues to grow. And Adrian Collins, you are at the front lines, my friend with Grimdark magazine. Uh, thank you so much for rocking it and for bringing this publication um, out to the world, and uh, uh, it's because of you and all the great folks in the Grimdark community who are going to be able to continue to help the, the genre grow and succeed. So uh, we do thank you for your time, Adrian, for coming on and, and sharing your thoughts. Uh, a couple more things, and we'll let you go. Uh, now, Grimdark Magazine is accepting submissions for fiction right now. Is that right? Yeah, de- definitely. We're, we're paying pro rates. Um, it's it's paid in Australian dollars, which you know works well sometimes, and and you know, currently against the US dollar, we're getting an absolute spanking. So it doesn't work so well for us at the moment, but the authors will get paid, um, will get paid pro rates. Um, also artists, uh, we're paying, uh, I think it's about 120 bucks for, for an issue cover. So we, you know, if you're an artist and, and you love depicting some, you know, some dark stories in your work for the you know, police and them over, we, we love dark art. Um, and then we're also always open to um, to checking out uh, opinion pieces and articles either for our, our magazine issue or for our blog. Um, you know that hits probably geez about six six thousand hits a um, six thousand hits a month. So uh, yeah, we're we're open to a lot of things. Excellent. So uh, what's the word count on the uh, fiction submissions as well? Uh, we're after stuff that's under four thousand um, for uh, exclusive. And then we're after reprints of up to 6,000. And Grimdark Magazine is the website. You folks are on Facebook and Twitter as well? Yep, yep. Very good. Well, Adrian, thanks so much for staying up until the wee hours of the night to talk with us. Man, best of luck with Grimdark Magazine, and thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, I love you guys' blog, and you know we'll, uh, we'll make sure to, to share it and, and get the word out. You guys are doing a great job as well. Thank you. Together we shall champion Grimdark and charge into the fray. And probably die. <laughs> yep. And die. <laughs> Bloody death. To glory. Thanks a lot, Blacks. And three, two, one. That's where we will end the interview, and then we'll throw on a little outro at the end of the of the uh, interview there. Uh, thank you again, Adrian. I think.